0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freckled Foodie and Friends, a podcast focused on making healthy living approachable, hosted by yours truly, Cameron Rogers. Happy Friday, Freckled Foodie fam. I am really pumped to share today's episode with you. I am just incredibly inspired by this person because it's a topic that I definitely care a lot about, but it's just always incredible to have someone on and share their story and their journey. And I just think it's very eye-opening and inspiring for everyone to listen to. So today we are sitting down with Koss Marte. He is the founder and CEO of ConBody. If you are not familiar with ConBody, it is a New York City-based prison-style fitness boot camp utilizing bodyweight exercises. So think jumping jacks, sit-ups, push-ups, all things that you can do in quite literally a prison cell, which is where this idea was founded. Um, Koss has been in and out of the criminal justice system since he was 13. And at 23, he was arrested on drug charges. And it was not for the first time, but this was the most serious time. And he ended up spending four years in prison. Um, At the beginning of his sentence, he was told that his health was in grave danger due to his weight and his lifestyle. So he immediately decided to exercise. And over six months, he dropped 70 pounds, which I mean, I can't fathom people doing in the real world. But also when you're in incarcerated and you're not in control of so much of your life. That's really freaking incredible. Um, So he developed this con body program while he was in prison. And then after he was released, it took three years to formally launch the company. Um, The program consists of 45 minute exercise routines that are entirely body weight. You can, they do have a studio in New York, um, but right now, if you are either not in New York or You're not going to studios. You can do online programs. All of that will be in the show notes. I think another main thing to note of Conbody in general and just the incredible work that Koss is doing is that he is really focused on hiring formerly incarcerated people for his company. So whether it's the trainers, the janitors, the people at the front desk, Almost everyone, he mentions other than the CFO of the company, has spent time incarcerated. So he is really trying to help these people and mentor these people and keep them out of the system, which is huge and unfortunately not as easy as it should be. So please check out today's episode. Obviously, rate, review, subscribe, share some screenshots on your Instagram stories, tag at FreckledFoodie and at FFNFriendsPod. And without further ado, here is Koss. Good morning, costs Or not good morning, but this will release in the morning. Um, <laughs> so much for joining us. I'm super, super excited to have you on and learn more about your journey and the company ConBody you've started because I think it is so incredibly interesting.
1: No, I appreciate the opportunity, Cameron. Thank you.
0: Of course. So to kick things off, how would you define success?
1: Success? Uh, I think just living a long, healthy life is like number one. Um, Mm -hmm. And just being happy. I mean, just being content, you know, you don't have to be like super content with wherever you are, but I'm talking about like just being appreciative, being like super, you know, uh, uh, appreciative that you are healthy and, and just living and just having the opportunity just to experience, you know, whether it's bad or good. And I feel like that's totally how I define it.
0: I think we take that for granted a lot. I talk about that in a different kind of angle, but when it comes to like body image, specifically with young females and, you know, they're, a lot of us are critiquing our bodies and wishing that they looked a certain way. And I was like, why don't we flip that script and instead thank the fact that our bodies even work. And I think that that's kind of along the lines of what you were just saying of just like, you know, we're alive. We're waking up every day and it's not always going to be great, but the fact that we're even able to experience what we're experience, experiencing is still a privilege and something to be appreciative for.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: What would you say makes you happy?
1: Uh, I don't know. My uh, my family, <laughs> Um, there's a lot of things that make me happy, uh, food, <laughs> uh, yes. you know, just, just having a good time, um, joking around, uh, and experiencing new things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I want to kind of dive in to con and yeah. how this all started and, you know, how much it's grown and your story, because I think it's a really incredible one to share with everyone. So absolutely. I guess to start, can you kind of walk us through what ConBody is?
1: Yeah, so I I describe ConBody as a prison-style boot camp, as a mix of cardio and and aerobic and strength training, uh, just utilizing your body weight that you can do in a small, constrained space, uh, just like I did while I was incarcerated, and that's why I call it a prison-style boot camp. Um, And what we do is hire people coming out of the prison system to teach the fitness classes
0: which is incredible because I know from you know a course that I was in that I've talked about a lot on here that was involved in the local prison when I was in college and then also you know different types of programs that I have been involved in post college of how difficult it is for formerly incarcerated people to find work so I think that that's incredible that you have not only created this company, but that you're also providing opportunities for these people. And I know that there are a decent amount of companies that are now starting to focus more and more on that. I think it's something that we should all be focusing more on. So I do appreciate that. And I think it's incredible. And I'm curious within ConBody. So I haven't personally taken a class. Yeah. How, like, what are the offerings? What type of things are, you, I'm imagining it's like a lot of, you know, Body weight, I think squats, push-ups, sit-ups, and my r- jumping jacks. Is that the yeah. right kind of yeah, assumption? Abso-
1: absolutely. I mean, it's just a mix of everything and and just nonstop work. Uh, pretty mm-hmm. much 45 minutes. Uh, we do have like a different product in online where we, you know, we have people join for 10, 20 minute uh, on our on-demand workout videos. And those are Got like it. nonstop as well. But we also have like instructional one on one videos. Um how to videos and just specialty videos that our, our different trainers have, you know, uh, completed and, and and offered on our, our platform.
0: And are the trainers as well, when you say that you're hiring formerly incarcerated people, are these the trainers as well, or people working within the company, and yeah. working at the all, studio?
1: Yep, all, uh, all of the above. All of the above. Wow. Um, the only person that's not been incarcerated is. Uh, my CFO. Um, but that's that's it.
0: That's really incredible. And how many people do you have around employed now?
1: Uh, right now in staff, we have uh, 12 people. Um, we've hired 47 people coming out of the prison system so far, and, and none of them have gone back into the prison system. Uh, so we have a zero recidivism rate right now.
0: That's amazing. And that's something that just proves how being given an opportunity or chance and not being shunned away because of a mistake you made in your past can mm-hmm. greatly impact the direction of your future.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's been, it's been a crazy journey, but it's, it's been good.
0: And when did you found Conbody?
1: Uh, I, I, found the Conbody, uh, it, it, technically January 2014, but I, I started everything in as soon as I came out of the prison system and, and uh, In 2013, Uh, I was released in March of 2013, um, and I just started doing it in the park across across the street from from where I grew up at, Uh, and I continued, you know, giving my offering.
0: Amazing. So you mentioned obviously that you were incarcerated. This is a huge part of your story. If you feel comfortable, you know, whatever you feel comfortable sharing, I would love to hear more. As I'm sure my listeners would of you know, your kind of childhood journey or what led you to that point. And then I would like to, if possible, dive into while you were, you know, actually imprisoned, how this workout even became something that you started doing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it all started from my personal experience where I went inside and doctors told me that my cholesterol levels were through the roof. Uh, They told me that I could probably die of a heart attack within five years And actually, like, came up with this workout routine um, based off, like, my previous incarceration experience, uh, which helped me lose over 70 pounds in six
0: months. Wow. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) And were you – did you lose the 70 pounds over six months just by this exercise? Or were there other things you were also doing? I know it's not that easy to make a ton of changes – when you're in like, you know, you, it's not like you're in control of a lot of things.
1: Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was extremely difficult to like start. I mean, once the doctors told me my cholesterol levels were like through the roof, I just started like moving and, uh, doing any type of movement exercise in my, um, my cell. Uh, I mean, it was extremely frustrating that I was like losing my breath within five minutes and I was like, fuck this shit. This shit is way too hard. And so yeah. <laughs> uh but i re- I just started thinking about you know the time I have the time I wanna like utilize to you know push myself and really you know take myself to the next level, and I, I just kept moving
0: and were you this might be a dumb question because I know I mean I don't necessarily know what the situation was in the specific jail you were in or you know your cell, but were you working out with other people? Like I know the course that I did, we were in minimum security. And so there was like a rec room and people, it was with females. They were able to like kind of yeah. join together. Were you leading any, t- like, I know that might sound dumb, but were you getting people to do these workouts with you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were working out together in the prison yard um, and, it, and it became, and I was in max and medium. Um okay. But I, I really started working out when I was in a medium facility. Um, but I was just, uh, it became a camaraderie builder. You know, I lost i lost all totally. the weight and uh, I caught the eyes of other inmates. And some of the inmates just asked me to to run with me. Um, and it just became like something we just kept doing and running and, and doing calisthenic workouts in the prison yard. And And I didn't think I was going to start a business behind it. It was just like... You know, let's get together and just do it together. Um, But it it continued going on like that. And I also, like, worked out with myself, my bunkie. um, And, you know, that's how I went down. Uh, I I helped over 20 inmates who was over 1,000 pounds combined.
0: Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible and not many people, twofold, I think not many fitness companies now can say, I don't think any fitness companies now can say they started like that, like Mm -hmm. that you originally began these classes inside of a prison yard. But also, I think a lot of, you know, it, it would be really easy to not, look for and pursue the positives when you're in that type of situation. Is that a correct assumption? Like just based on people I've spoken to and stories I've heard, you know, a lot of times, and this is something I struggle with when I do things involved in the criminal justice system is, you know, there's not a focus on mental health. There's no sense of like rebuilding. It's more just like locking up and turning a blind eye. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really remarkable that you took this opportunity and really changed. I mean, in such a positive manner, aspects of yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I don't know. It's just been a, a crazy journey, but um, it's it's just been like a, a roller coaster where you know I just have didn't know what I was going to, uh, I knew what I wanted to do in terms of like starting a company and starting a fitness company and, and pushing forward with Combody, but But, um, you know, not knowing that when I was, began hiring people coming out of the prison system, just the journey of, you know, it became more of a program. Um, totally. You know, uh, instead of just like a hiring practice, because then I started, you know, uh, dealing with the Situations and uh, the barriers that they had to face, you know, of coming out and being trained and learning the technology and the things I had to like really educate myself. You know, when I came mm. home, I, I went in with a flip, flip phone and came out with a touchscreen. So just right. a whole. I never thought about things you like know, that. It's just like Flintstones, me to the Jetsons, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, what age did you enter the system?
1: Uh, I mean, I've been in and out since I was 13. Um, okay. but, the uh, last incarceration, I was 23.
0: And did you ever in a million years, if you could talk to your like 13, 15, 18 year old self, would you have ever envisioned that you'd be doing what you're doing today?
1: Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I, I, I had no idea that I was going to do what I'm doing today. Um, I don't know. I, I was, uh, just really deep involved in the drug game. And I Mm -hmm. thought about starting businesses back then, but uh, never took that leap um, just because I was trapped in that world. And I didn't really see or educate myself in any way to get out of it. You know, so, um, you know, like, I I didn't mention this before, but at like 19, I was making over $2 million a year, uh, running one of the largest drug delivery services in New York city. So, uh, living that lifestyle, you know, was not something that I just wanted to give up, you know to, Absolutely not to start a venture, you know, so it was a uh, uh, an experience uh, where you know I feel like everything happened for a reason. I got incarcerated mm-hmm. and, and just things started happening
0: and I know some people might not agree with this, but I do think a lot of people that get wrapped up in that world you know, a lot of times it's the only option depending on how, you know, what your circumstances are. And I think within that, there's a very, very serious entrepreneurial aspect and hustle and grind of, you know, clearly if you were involved in something so large of, you know, being responsible and making that type of money. And I do think in a very odd way, it can lend itself to what you're doing by creating your own business and running a business. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. I mean, uh, the transferable skills are there. Uh, Mm. You know, I think the only difference between a a legal business and an illegal business was just that I was not paying Uncle Sam before. I was not paying any taxes, (laughs) uh, you know, but I had had to manage people. I had to market myself. I had to, you know, brand myself. I had to, you know, get everything done. I had to deal with margins and product Mm -hmm. and all that stuff, so
0: an ultimate salesman. I mean, obviously the product is something that's very different, but
1: (laughs) still like I
0: do (laughs) like sometimes it's circumstantial. And if you're in certain, like a certain childhood, you have to do what you have to do to be able to make money.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: What would you say your favorite characteristic about yourself is?
1: Uh, I think, uh, just my grit. (laughs) Uh, I don't know, when I put my mind to something, like I just don't stop until I, I do it and get it done and just keep working hard at it.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly, it's very obvious just from the research I've done on you and what you've created. And I'm curious because I've spoken... A, you know, a few episodes have been focused on the criminal justice system reg- in terms of this podcast. Not that it's a field, I'm a special, like it's not my specialty whatsoever. And obviously when people think of a freckled foodie and friends podcast, it's not the topic <laughs> they imagine, but it's something I am definitely passionate about. And mm. I know that majority of my listeners are specifically white, but also come from privileged backgrounds. And I always would like to have these conversations to kind of open everyone's eyes and just take a step back and realize that you know not everything is so black and white of oh you're a criminal you're a bad person and like you should be written off
1: absolutely and
0: I mean not at all and so I'm curious from your perspective like how you've managed that in especially the New York City wellness scene because I can imagine that you know not you don't always get the respect that you deserve
1: yeah, I mean, uh, it is what it is. And I, I know I got to deal with uh, haters and, and just different perspectives. And I, I think what we really wanted to accomplish with Combody was to really change that perspective of how people mm-hmm. view formerly incarcerated people. Uh, most people see, uh, you know, and believe what they see on TV. You know, if people are locked up, caged animals, screaming, banging. Um, right. is what the whole system is. I mean, obviously there there are people like that that are incarcerated and and there's different circumstances just like that. But I feel like the majority of people just want to do their time, want to come home, want to readapt and, and are good people. I feel like everybody's good. You know, uh, everything was just like, I feel like people learn bad behavior and it's like a social mm-hmm. like setup, you know, um, it's, and I, I think, you know, some like for myself, I grew up in a, a crazy era. I grew up in a neighborhood that was, you know, drug infested at the time. And and that's what I saw. And that's what I, I wanted to, you know, follow and, and accomplish. Um, but that didn't make me a bad person. It, it was just what I really wanted to do because I wanted to pursue wealth, Um Mm-hmm. Uh, i thought money was everything um and i was poor my mom immigrated from the dominican republic when she was six months pregnant with me with nothing with her and we ended up living on a couch together you know so um mm-hmm. that's how i grew up and uh and and so in the in the fitness community yeah there there are people that you know judge us um uh there's there's been times when i was starting the whole company and people didn't know what like Uh, you know, our prison-style boot camp meant. They just thought it was like a regular fitness boot camp. But when we explained that we were formerly incarcerated, I had people walk out of the room, you know, um, and and quickly judge us and didn't want to be a part of it. And so... uh,
0: Which is awful, but sadly, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Yeah. And I think exactly what you just said is a point that I try to, like, really get through is that so much of the criminal justice system and people who have been formerly incarcerated, it's just circumstantial. It's what, you know, what are you born into? What are your options? Like, what is, what is, who are you idolizing? Who are you surrounded by? It's not that, you know, obviously I do think there are some people who do awful, awful things. I'm not talking about that, but you know, especially when it comes to drug related crimes, you're getting judged on like some of the worst mistakes you've ever made that you happen to get caught for. And, that are the outcome of really shitty circumstances.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I'm at that. I like, for example, one of my, one of my trainers was wrongfully convicted. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, he was black living in Brownsville was working for Domino's as a delivery boy uh, was 16. Um, You know, fit the description was pulled over, was stopped by cops um, uh, for uh, assault and robbery. And, Ended up spending 13 years in prison behind the situation. So and like,
0: fucking horrifying.
1: It, it's just very circumstantial. Like, you know, this, that's over policing in certain areas. Uh, you look like mm-hmm. somebody, you get stopped. Somebody says, yeah, that looks like him. And now you, you know, your whole life is changed and flipped upside down. And so, you know, I, I do believe that, you know, uh, and, and we don't have, and it's not fair. Um, but life is not fair. You know, we grew up in, mm-hmm. you know, some people are, are are born wealthy and they don't have to deal with that and they don't have to experience that. But, you know, I, I grew up where I was going to, to the bodega and I was getting stopped by cops when I was 14, 15 years old, you know, sometimes a couple of times a day, you know, and it became a routine, you know, and I became numb to it. And I thought that's how everybody lived,
0: you know? Right. Well, do you just think what, you, what you're experiencing just feels normal at yeah. a certain point when it happens so often? Yeah. And I know I spoke to a majority of like the demographic of my listeners, but I asked this question when I had on someone else on this topic, what would you, what's like a, one or a few points that you wish you could get across to people to change their opinion or just to maybe like second guess their judgment when it comes to formerly incarcerated people?
1: Yeah, I mean, if, you know, I would love to have people experience calm Body. you know, if they, mm-hmm. if they could come through and just, you know, I know the gym is like partially open and we, you know, we're doing stuff outside and we're doing stuff virtually. Um, but you have, if you have the opportunity, you don't have to, you know, even take a class, just come in, you know, and just. Just check what we're about, you know. People's perspective drop once they see somebody get greeted at the front desk, and you know that person's done ten years. You know the, the mm-hmm. janitorial person is picking up behind you, you know, and that person's done twenty years. You know, so like just experiencing that culture, that that environment, and just those people that are so appreciative of a, a, another opportunity, you know, rechanges really like people's perspective that come in and, and I've had, you know, I, I was featured like in the uh, New York housewives, for example. And, um, <laughs> and we was training Carol Ronswell. And, um, and, and when we were featured in the New York housewives, like we just brought out, brought in this, this crowd of like, you know, Upper East Side moms. Oh,
0: and, sure.
1: uh, and it was like super bougie, you know, and <laughs> and they would come and they, they felt a little bit nervous, but when they got there, they were like, "Wow, you know, it was just like, okay, these people are just people, you know, and then right. they started Bottom changing, one. you know, their, their perspective.
0: That's hilarious. I did not know you guys were, I don't watch any of the housewives, but yeah. I'm sure that that brought in a serious demographic. And I think that's yeah. something I, I totally felt when I did this course in college, we went into the women's minimum security prison and the our teacher who did this like every year was like, okay, go. We were in like the rec room kind of situation. She's like, okay, go ask everyone if they want to be in class. And we were like, Wait, what? We, we <laughs> like are just going to go up to people and ask if they want to be in this class. She's like, yeah, go. And rightfully so. Some people were like, what are, some of the women were like, what the hell are you doing in here? And then a few wanted to join and You know, we took this class as inside and outside students. That's what we refer to ourselves as. And we were all learning collectively from our teacher. It's not like we were teaching them. It was just learning about the criminal justice system. And I remember being very nervous the first class because I had, as far as I knew, never been around someone that had been seriously incarcerated. And by the end of the semester, I was hugging these women, hysterically crying that, you know, we weren't allowed to be in contact after the class, unfortunately. but. Mm It was just, it completely and utterly shifted my mindset and perspective on the entire system because it really opened my eyes to not only the circumstantial aspect of what can land someone in there, but then what it's, what's happening and how the system is just continuing to oppress once you're in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy. And it's a loop that it's hard to escape. You know, totally. as, as a as a kid growing up in, you know, the circumstances that I grew up in, I, I was incarcerated at 13, placed on probation, then incarcerated at 15. You know, I was in and out nine times um, and, it, and it becomes a, a trap, you know, whether mm-hmm. you're on probation and, you know, you piss dirty on a bag of weed, you know, like, uh, and then it becomes you know, extended for another five years of probation and, and then you commit another mistake and then it just, it sets you back, you know? So there's just so many, and now marijuana is legal, you know, like,
0: right, of course. Uh,
1: uh, which is, you know, crazy to see that how, how many, how many people have been affected. And now, you know, and, and, and I, one of the biggest things I think like, you know, most people that have been incarcerated can't get into the marijuana business, um, uh, yeah. If you sell marijuana back then, you can't sell marijuana legally now, uh, which is which is crazy. Um,
0: well, what drives me insane, and I'm I openly not right now, I'm pregnant, but I openly smoke marijuana, and I am a big <laughs> supporter of the cannabis industry. However, I have a huge issue with the fact that there are people, primarily Black people, who are still imprisoned for minor drug offenses okay. when it comes to marijuana, and then all of the white businessmen are now making millions off of the industry where it's. Oh living. yeah. Yeah. So th- I did an episode that kind of touched on that. And you know, for anyone who also feels passionately about that, I highly recommend checking out last prisoner project. And an idea that I actually started with my family is that every time we purchase any weed legally, we donate X amount to last prisoner project because we're in a position awesome. where we're, if you're financially able to, like I think it's a great idea. And I actually, someone had sent me the idea over DM, and I mentioned it on my stories. I'm like, listen, if you're financially privileged enough to be buying all this weed, like, make a deal to yourself that you'll donate X percent every time. It can be a small donation, but whatever, still something. It all it all counts.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome. That's awesome.
0: Thank you. So, uh,
1: please send me the link to that or how to. You know,
0: yeah, Last out. Prisoner Project is awesome. I just, you know, you have to donate. You have to do the math and do the donation on your own. It's not like a yeah. link, although they should. you yeah. should like talk to Men Men or something. That'd be smart. Oh, that'd but be crazy. Um, but Last Prisoner Project is a really great charitable. Yeah, and you know who else? I was going to tell you this after, but you know, whatever. I had the current CEO on the podcast. I'm curious. Do you have you ever been in contact with GoSo Get Out Stay Out? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. We worked with okay. GoSo for a little bit too.
0: Cause I was going to say that would be incredible for, I know like, uh, why can't Dos Toros is one of their main, um, employers for some of the people who are in mm-hmm. that program, but obviously Conbody would be an, another great option.
1: Yeah, no, we, we took a few interns, uh, from them just to get some of the, some of the kids wanted, uh, well, not kids, but young men, uh, mm-hmm. wanted to be involved in like the fitness industry and uh, just learn more and they were trying to get us into school. So we are trying to help them and just have them just shadow us and look. And so we we were, you know, trying to set up something like that.
0: Yeah, definitely. And for anyone who's listening, I do recommend also listening to the previous episode with Jocelyn, who's the current CEO of Goso. It was an older mm-hmm. episode this year and I'll link it all in the show notes. But again, that talks a lot about what we're discussing. Yeah. That's um. Awesome. And then to bring things to food, I know it's one of the things that makes you happy, which makes me happy because (laughs) I can't fathom people who like don't just exude joy when it comes to food. What would be the three ways to your heart through food?
1: Uh, Lasagna. I don't know. Mm. Cheese, meat, (laughs) and some carb or something like that. I know. I'm supposed to be like the healthy promoter no, but oh uh, my god I'm not, I'm not
0: here don't worry I'm
1: not uh I'm not vegan I'm not you
0: know neither uh, we don't uh, like I, labels anyway
1: yeah I love I love lasagna I, I like my family we like cook like white rice and lasagna and like I'm Dominican so we eat pretty much like for Thanksgiving right now we we cook like five animals which is crazy
0: oh wow
1: uh, yeah we have like <laughs> turkey You know, uh, like Bernie, which is pork shoulder, you know, chicken, like beef, you know, it's sometimes goat. I need to get invited to a Dominican
0: Thanksgiving soon. That's crazy. Okay, that sounds delicious. Wait, and I just have to ask, when you're eating lasagna and rice, are you combining the two?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've never done that. is so good. Just straight white rice. Straight white rice. It has to be, I don't know, I'd like, uh, like, Spanish white rice. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you put the lasagna on top?
1: Uh, no, just on the side. But every time you like okay. cut the lasagna, you put a little bit of rice on the fork too, you know, so you get that, okay. that comb- combination of a nice combo. bite right there, you know?
0: All right. I'm going to try. You actually have me craving lasagna. <laughs> I love a good lasagna Hell so yeah. much. Oh yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on here. This was such a pleasure talking with you. For everyone who's listening, where is the best place to follow you?
1: You can follow me at Combody on Instagram, C O N B O D Y. You can hit me up on Twitter, Combody NYC, or on TikTok, whichever you prefer. Uh, if you want to email me directly, it's Koss Marte at com or info at combody.com. But uh, I appreciate appreciate the camera.
0: Of course. All of that will be in the show notes. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. And Cost, thank you so much. It was wonderful catching up with you. Likewise. Likewise. Thank you. Hello, hello my friends. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I found it just incredibly insightful to hear someone's story that obviously has had a very different life than I have and just to see what he has done with the hand he's been dealt and the business he's built and I find it truly inspiring so I hope you all did as well. This week... I don't, I feel like I don't have a ton to like recap you guys on. I want to start by saying I am over the fucking moon when it comes to the reception of my what the fuck is happening to my body series. So I shared about it on my Instagram stories where I was like, there is just so much going on when it comes to physical change and pregnancy. And as you guys know, I said this in the last episode, I feel like I just missed some orientation packet of, oh, you're pregnant, here's what to expect. Or even like, oh, you're a female, this is what pregnancy looks like in reality. Because I think the hardest thing for me was that I've always been so excited to be pregnant and I had these like mystical, wonderful thoughts of what it would look like. And the reality is, very different than my expectations, which is something I struggle with across all aspects of my life when that's the case. So I definitely, as you guys know, have had a pretty hard time just with everything that's been happening. So I felt like, why not share it with everyone? And my biggest issue with pregnancy content is that it all seems so fucking like filtered and perfect and everyone's supposed to be so happy when they're pregnant and you have this pregnancy glow and you look gorgeous and oh my gosh like that is just not my reality and I think it is for some people and that's incredible amazing like good for you run with that shit girlfriend but it's not mine and I felt lonely because I didn't see content that was depicting what my reality was, but I knew that a lot of other people were going through similar stuff because my DMs were blowing up every time I talked about something I was experiencing. So I decided to create the content. And as a creator, there's nothing more rewarding than having an idea, really thinking that it could do well and like resonate with people and make a difference and be well-received and all of that, and then follow through with it and have that happen. Why does my voice keep pr- cracking? Um, so for me, just the reception of that first video I did really meant a lot. So it is going to be a weekly series. I don't know if they're going to come out on Saturdays or Mondays. I have to figure that out, but I'm very excited to continue to share with you guys. And it's been a fun way for me To almost like look at the positives of all this where I'm like, okay, I can share this. Like instead of getting down on these changes and letting them kind of get to me, I'm saving them all in a note on my phone. So I can be like, oh, this will be a good thing to include. We'll definitely talk about this. So if you are pregnant or you know someone who is pregnant right now or your mom or you just are like curious what the hell pregnancy is like, I highly recommend checking out the IGTV series that, that I'm now starting called What the Fuck is Happening to My Body. Um, listener question-wise, I'm going to answer one because this is something that I am having a hard time with. What is your family's favorite holiday tradition? So, the holidays for me, I am like a small child as you guys all know. I feel like I'm a child in a not so adult even body. Um, I fucking love traditions and I love the holidays and combine the two, and I'm the happiest person in the world. So I have always been like big, big, big Christmas person. I'm not religious whatsoever. So I have no even knowledge, to be totally honest, of like the religious aspect of Christmas. But for me, it it holds so much in my heart because of our family traditions that we've been doing for my entire life. And I had a really hard time. Quite honestly, there were two transition periods and I guess this is now the third. Um, I remember in college, we used to get six weeks off for winter break, which is so insane. And the first year out of college, I worked, I had to, I mean, the markets open the day before Christmas, Christmas Eve and the day after Christmas. And so I had to work both, both days in that entire week and all I got off with was Christmas day. And I remember just like, crying at home being like, I don't understand. Like I got home at like five o'clock on Christmas Eve and all I had was the next day. And I was like, where did childhood go? And then again, when Joe and I got married, just because like, obviously traditions change and you have to, like, you're now part of two families and you're going to multiple things. And it was the first year my cousins didn't come. And I was just like, I, when did I become an adult? And now this is the third transition of just like, Pretty much, majority of our traditions are canceled, um, which is fine. You know, obviously, we're not going to be idiots, but it's still just like sad for me to accept. I'm, I've accepted it, but I'm still sad over it. So, my favorite tradition is my parents. Since I was, I don't, I think I was like probably six or seven when this started, but we have a Christmas caroling party, which sounds so insane. Um, And it started when we were really young of just like our five closest family friends would come over and we'd sit on the steps in like our living room where we have a piano. And we all kind of had like the same piano teacher. He was a real interesting man, let me tell you. He would come and like play and then the rest of us would sing and whatever. And like the parents would get drunk and we'd all like run around and have fun. It slowly transformed into Cindy Linville. Style party, which is basically a wedding, and so for the past twenty years we've been having this the weekend before Christmas. Now it's like, mom, correct me if I'm wrong. It's definitely over a hundred people. I don't think it's two hundred people, but it's fucking huge, and it's this huge party. Everyone comes. There's like a dinner buffet. Everyone mingles and you know gets to see people that they haven't seen for sometimes like the entire year. We get hammered and then we go into the barn and we sing all of these Christmas carols and there's like the 12 days of Christmas where specific families have specific parts of the song. It's this whole thing and then the adults leave and the kids turn into a rager and of course Cindy stays. There have been years where she's doing timed keg stands. Um, So... That is definitely my favorite family holiday tradition. And obviously we're not doing that this year. So it's going to be the first time not having our Christmas caroling party in like 20 plus years. And I'm really sad about it, but it is what it is. You know, 2020 is a weird fucking year. And if this is the saddest, it's not the saddest thing, but if this is just one of the things that we have to not do to hopefully help this country like and world get through this pandemic, of course we're going to do it. It doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. It doesn't matter at all. Um but I am going to miss it. And I think this year for everyone is just going to be different. And, you know, we're having discussions within my family where I'm like, Mom, you just got to let go of certain things. Like this year is just different and we can't try to make it work. Like it's just not the Christmas caroling party, but just other stuff. Like it's just not going to happen. And it really sucks to hear that and to be told that and to tell someone that. But this year is just different. And I think we have to find newer things to focus on that maybe are new traditions or things that are just replacement filler traditions that will make us happy and joyful in this time. Honestly, one of those things for me has been like my Christmas movie list that Joe and I have been watching. Um, I basically pulled you guys all for your like favorite Christmas movies and Joe and I for the past month, like starting after Thanksgiving, so not for the past month, but it will be a month when it comes to Christmas. Um We've been just like binging Christmas movies and getting in the holiday spirit. And I never really was one to do that. We watched like The Grinch or Love Actually usually like right around Christmas, but never like before that. So maybe that'll be a new tradition. I don't know. I'm also just freaking out over the fact that this is our last Christmas without a baby. And Joe turned to me at Thanksgiving and was like, you realize next year there's going to be like a child here and he will be ours. And it felt so real. And I'm starting to feel that way with Christmas also. Like, holy fuck, there's going to be a baby next year and we are responsible for him. I'm just like not over that aspect of things, that we're actually bringing a human into this world. And another thing that we're breaking free of this year is that we're not wrapping gifts or even boxing them. The few gifts we have our majority clothes. And so my mom is literally just having a clothing rack and separating it into segments of whose is whose. And I am so happy because there's nothing I hate more than the boxes and the wrapping paper cleanup after Christmas morning. And it's such a waste. And I realized that like with a child, we're probably gonna have to start doing this again because of like Santa stuff. So we're taking advantage of the year and just being like, you know what? New shit is happening this year. No more wrapping. And it's a great decision. So I encourage anyone else. I mean, I don't know if you can do this with like small children because they probably they might still believe in Santa. I believed in Santa till such an embarrassingly old age that I think we're going to have to tell our son pretty young just to like even out my experience. I won't, but I probably should. Anyway, just an idea to think about. Um, I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Please stay safe. COVID is still very much real. Very, very much real. And I I said this on my Instagram stories. We're now kind of within, especially as this airs, we're within the two-week period of Christmas. So if you are seeing a small group and you're like immediate family for Christmas, have the conversations now. What does this look like? What are we doing for the next two weeks what are we all comfortable doing? Who's getting tested? Where are we getting tested? What are we getting tested? Like the conversations have to start earlier rather than later. It felt kind of rushed, in my opinion, for Thanksgiving. And a test isn't like, you know, all of a sudden near the clear because who knows what's happening. It's also confusing. But if you all are agreeing, like, okay, there are now two weeks, like, let's go into way stricter quarantine and just You know, have the conversations and make sure you're all on the same page. That's all I can encourage people to do. I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you so much for listening. As always, let me know your thoughts. Your feedback is why I do the show, honestly. You guys are the reason. So please let me know what you're thinking. Share on your IGs, rate, review, do all the good stuff. Love you. You guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. It really means the world to me. It means more to me than you could ever know. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please head over to wherever you consume your podcast and rate and or review the show. It not only helps the show's growth, but it really makes my day when I go through and read all of the reviews. If you aren't already, please follow along over on Instagram at Freckled Foodie for my way too active channel and at ffn friends pod for more information on the podcast i hope you have a wonderful day and i can't wait to give you the next episode